Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Aaron Maurer here introducing the next episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast with the phenomenal Betsy Butterick. Um, you know, as I was editing this this episode to get it ready for you to listen to, um, we are several weeks now into um, quarantine and living remotely, learning remotely, trying to work remotely. And so I think a lot of these ideas that Betsy shares in this podcast resonate even more so today in light of the situation that we're in. And I don't, don't know about you, but the idea of communication, really struggling to communicate effectively remotely, um, struggling with communication of, you know, just being in my household with my family and making sure that we are properly communicating how we're feeling, how we can work together, how we can support a key word that she talks about in this episode, um, one another during these times. So I just think as you listen to this episode, I find it that it's twice as powerful in the state of life that we're living compared to when we first recorded this episode. And even then I had goosebumps um, talking to her because I think she shares so many important things for us to consider, whether we are a coach, whether we are a parent, whether we are an educator, whether we are a player, a student, um, a sibling, whatever label we want to give ourselves, the idea of communication is universal. And we are in a situation now where that is going to be more important than ever before. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I would really, really love it if you follow her work. And I would love it even more if you would reach out and let me know what stood out to you, what resonated with you. I'd really love to hear from the listeners on this episode as we continue to try to do better communicating. Here we go. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like happy for the brain. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello, everyone. How you doing? This is Aaron Maurer, back with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. Guys, I know that we talk so much on this particular podcast, as well as on my website, pushing the boundaries of our comfort zones, trying to make ourselves just a little bit better in whatever shape or form that is. And one of the things that allows us to do that is communication, not just with others, but I think also with ourselves. And so today I have a guest that I've been so excited to speak with. Her work is incredible. She has a huge track record of of helping with just that communication. And so today I'm so excited to bring Betsy onto the show. And Betsy, why don't we just start off, have you introduce yourself, explain what it is you do. Um, You wear the title of the, the communication coach, explain what all that stuff is so we can dive into this topic of communication that as we're recording this with the coronavirus and everything else is, is becoming a more um, important topic than, than really ever before. And it's always been important. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me on, Aaron. It's great to be with you all. And to those listening out there, hello. My name is Betsy Butterick, and my working title is the Coach's Coach and Communication Specialist. My background is in college athletics. I coached women's college basketball for 10 years working at places like Stanford University, in the WNBA with the Seattle Storm, at the University of Washington, Occidental College in Los Angeles, and then most recently, UC San Diego. 
I'm living in San Diego. I love San Diego. I hope it's warm and sunny as it is here, wherever you are. And the title coach's coach came from when I was still coaching basketball. I was first introduced to the idea that coaching was something that existed outside of sports. And while I love coaching basketball, what I love most was people. And so learning to do this work, earning my integral coaching certificate, which is really a fancy title for saying I coach in a way that looks at an individual and their issue from a whole person perspective. Ideally, we get to show up as our full selves in every space that we step into. So I was coaching basketball and after becoming certified, began coaching coaches because in working in Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and the professional ranks, what I saw was a great need for coaches to have someone who was not a mentor, not a fellow staff member, not a significant other, but who could support them in the ways that they were looking to grow and change so they could best be of service to those that they coached. And so I began coaching coaches while coaching basketball. I did that from 2011 to 2015. And then in 2015 had really reached a point where I didn't feel like I was giving my best to either anymore. My attention was divided and split. And so I stepped off the court and fully into this space where I now work as the coach's coach with specifically individual coaches, whether they're a head coach or assistant coach at all levels of sport, both men and women. And then the other part of my job, which I absolutely love, is working as a communication specialist. That means a lot of different things to different people. We spend so much of our time every day communicating, and yet we tend to only be intentional about our communication when we have something important to say, whether we're preparing to write an important email or we're going to have what might be a difficult conversation with someone that we care about. So if we can bring greater intention to our communication on an everyday level, that benefits greatly. It benefits us greatly in all areas of our lives. And that's the work that I get to do now specifically with athletic departments and teams and also with some corporate entities as well. I love that. And as you're, as you're talking, I'm just, I'm over here nodding my head as if people can see me and I know they can't because um, you, what you've done is incredible to be able to to coach at the division one level and beyond is like every coach's dream um to reach those things and so one of the things that i want to i want to start off asking um with that is um it's funny i have a i have a good friend of mine who is a phenomenal high school coach and and she shared with me this link there's there's a virtual coaching summit going on of all these great coaches coming in sharing their ideas which fits really well since we're all sitting here at at home and and one of the things that we were talking about we, we enjoying these sessions is like it's it's so crazy that here we are in the year 2020 and people are talking about the the basic idea of you have to form a relationship with your players you have to get to know your players mm-hmm. you have to treat them as a human and and people respond in the chats and the social media going oh such amazing ideas and so i'm, I'm curious I'm, I'm queuing that up with the idea like for me, from an educator perspective, my wife's an educator, we live and breathe education, it just seems like common sense. But yet there's still so many right. people, and not this is not a judgment call. I think it's just because like, we don't know what we don't know. So many people, especially when it comes to coaching, and, and I'm looking at basketball and the youth sports I coach, it's, it is easy just to get into the X's and O's and, and, and miss mm-hmm. that step. So what have you seen in, in, in your work as a coach and now working with coaches where like, I don't think that need has ever like not been there, but there's a more awareness of it like what have you seen transition over time that like now people are going oh yeah maybe I should actually maybe know a little bit Mm -hmm. more about my my players like what what, what have you seen in that arena 
because I, I find it fascinating that it's still like a aha moment for people. And like I said, I'm not trying mm-hmm. to judge them, but it's just like, how do you not know that? <laughs> you know? And so, well, and, and, and that's a, yeah, it's a great point, Aaron. And it is, it, you know, it seems like this aha thing. And you can also on the flip side say, well, how did you not know that? I think part of the issue is that we communicate all the time. And so because it's something that we do so routinely, we don't tend to think about it. We think more about the things that are less frequent and unique, things like the X's and O's. We communicate how we communicate, and we don't spend a lot of time outside of learning to speak a specific language or learning how to read and write. We don't tend to think a lot about our communication except for those points where we know it's really important that we get the messaging right. There's a couple things that are happening in the landscape of sports specifically. One is that we're moving as a, a community from this idea of transactional coaching, where I, the coach, recruit you to provide this service at X university for a duration of four or five years, to transformational coaching. With that has been the rise of discussions around things like mental health, which even as when I was a student athlete, you know, 12, 15 years ago, was not something that we had terminology around. We had sports psychology as a discipline, but we weren't talking about individual student athlete health and well-being and what that looks like and how we can facilitate and support that from an educational standpoint as a coach through our communication. So there's a lot that's shifted recently in the landscape of sports specifically that allows us to maybe pay more attention to things like our communication in a way that we hadn't before. You know, you hear communication often lumped into this group of what's called soft skills. And yet if you ask any you know, emergency response worker or 911, you know, call center or a hostage negotiator, if they think communication is a soft skill, I've literally seen communication be the only thing that saves an individual's life. Mm. So I think we need to stop talking about this as a soft skill and more about an essential skill for navigating every kind of relationship and interaction that we have with any person, regardless of the role that we're in or the industry that we're in, or the age that we are, or the gender that we identify with, communication matters across all of these platforms. So becoming more intentional about it makes us a better human being. Yeah, and so as as as, as you think about that, like, and we talk about that mental health, and, and whether it's just getting to know our players, or if it's students, or our own children, and, and we're looking at that mental health stuff, and just, you know, kind of doing a pulse check, not that we have to be a therapist, like, you know, because we can't do all things, like, how does someone, mm-hmm. what what are some, some, some ways in which to do that, because I think a lot of people now, I know in education right now, primarily, like, there is a huge emphasis on finally addressing the elephant in the room of going, okay content and standards are important but how are kids doing mentally how are they feeling emotionally how what's their anxiety like what's the trauma like and that's no different than mm-hmm. than, than them being a coach and having a player like th- to me it's all universal of, of, of an educator yep. and and student and, and sometimes we switch those roles so I think I'm, I'm thinking of like the high school sports or even like middle school sports or someone like me where I coach my middle school daughters you know just as, as a volunteer coach in the evenings to make sure they get some more reps what are the things that we can do to infuse that because I think a lot of people go, they're going to hear this and they're going to go, yeah, she's right, but I have no idea how. Yep, great. Great point to make. And it can feel overwhelming. It's like, yeah, I agree. I need to be a better communicator or it would benefit me to be a better communicator as a parent, as an educator, as a coach. And I do think of coaches as educators. We have this responsibility to um, also broaden the perspective of and invite different ways of being and experiences 
inventively and creatively for the young people that we work with. And one of the great things about communication is it is a skill. We oftentimes think, oh, they're just a really gifted orator or they're a great communicator or they write so well. All of these things have happened over time through practice, like any other skill. Communication is a skill. And because it's a skill, we can practice and we can develop it. On YouTube, I have a series of videos. They're called ACTS. And ACTS stands for Active Communication Technique. All the videos are roughly two minutes in length or less. And they're designed as a tip that anybody can do today to improve the way that they communicate and connect with other people. Sometimes it feels so big to say, ah, I've got to improve my communication. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And then we just push it off to the side as something that feels too big to take on. The reason I made the axe is because there are small, very controllable things that anybody can start doing today that are going to make a big difference, especially over time, the longer you practice in how we communicate and connect with other people. So sometimes it can sound like we're asking a coach to, you know, become a therapist or become a mental skills specialist or be all these things to all these people. That's not the case. What we're asking for here is not perfection, it's intention. Can you bring a greater intention and awareness to the way that you're communicating? Can you assume that beginner's mind, so to speak? Can you cultivate curiosity in the conversations that you have with other people? And in doing so, start to build your communication skill set. Mm, I like that. We'll definitely make sure for those listening in, we'll get that link to the YouTube channel, the show notes. So if you're driving or, or out on a run or doing something, um, you want to come back and check out those show notes. You can you can take a look at those short video clips. They are they are really good, um, and, and they're some good, powerful insertion points just to kind of get started to figure out how to do just that very thing. And so the other thing that I was thinking about is, as, as you're talking about this and, and you brought up the acts and I, and I was watching through those, I, I was thinking about that 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 educator that coach that has already started on this journey and they feel like they're disconnected that they're not on the same page with their players Mm -hmm. or their students um and i I think it's one thing to sit there if you've already at least maybe have a solid foundation to go okay i can insert some of these things because we we are grooving we are vibing um but we know we can get better and i think that's another one where Mm -hmm. you're like holy cow like we're, we're not clicking, right? Like we are not on the same page for whatever reason. And so how does someone like that, like kind of, you know, turn the boat around? Because I think it's one thing to, to, to do it when you're already grooving, but if you're just like, man, I'm way off key or the season's progressing and you hit a big hiccup and, it, and, and you're just not together, how do you start to bring that back? Because I always think that that's even harder than at least when you at least have somewhat of a foundation. Yep. Great question, Aaron. And, and, it can feel like, well, we've already gone down this path so long, or we're in the middle of our season, or I can't stop and try to triage or fix this now. And the cool thing about communication is that you can. You can not stop, but you can pivot at any point and change direction in terms of how you communicate. Oftentimes, when people feel like things are not going well, what the issue is at its core is there is a large gap between what I call intention and impact. So I, as the speaker, as the coach, as the teacher, have a certain intention with what my message is and what purpose. And the way that that is being delivered, either through word choice or tone or timing or context, is having a different impact on the receivers of that message that is different than what I intend. So I, as one person, have this intention, and yet the receivers of that message feel or hear a very different impact. 
than what I was going for. So a lot of the work to be done in those spaces where, you know, things aren't going well or we feel disconnected or there's so much misunderstanding, scaling it back to where is this miscommunication occurring? And in the championship communication workshop that I do, I typically cover six barriers to communication, which are context, tone, trust, timing, clarity, and word choice. These are the places where communication often breaks down or miscommunication occurs. Simply becoming aware of them allows us to better identify them when they happen and also potentially avoid them from the outset. There's a few different resources that I love. One is the book Crucial Conversations. And in Crucial Conversations, they talk specifically about this tool that's called a contrasting statement. And a contrasting statement can be used in one of two ways. You can use it before a conversation to clarify your purpose or intention and to avoid miscommunication, or you can use it the moment you understand that miscommunication has occurred as a way to restore safety to a conversation. A contrasting statement has two parts, and it's a don't do statement. In the first part, the don't part, you articulate whatever it is that you're worried the other party is going to misinterpret or misunderstand. And in the second part, the do part, you clarify your purpose or intention. So I might say something like, um, Aaron, I don't want people to think that communication is a skill that they have no time to work on or that it's an additional thing that they need to add to their agenda. I do want to help people understand they're already doing this work. And with small tweaks, they can improve their communication skills. Mm. So that would be an example of a don't do statement. Again, it flows well in terms of word choice, so much so that the other party will likely not notice that you've just used this tool. You get better with practice. It does so much to clarify your purpose and intention, again, either before having a conversation where you're worried someone might take something the wrong way, or if you've said something and you realize either through body language or visual cues or the way that they resort into silence or violence that something has happened and hasn't landed well, you can use this contrasting statement as a way to bring the conversation back to your pure intention. I love that, and I definitely, it's 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 so ironic that you bring that book up because you are now the second guest in a row to reference that book. I have it on my bookshelf to, to be book. read, and so I think I'm going to have to bump it up to the next Take read, it off. Um, and 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 make that happen. And so as as you're talking about that, don't do I I, I love it, and it, and it might actually be somewhat of the answer to this question that I wanted to ask you as well because. As you're talking about that, I'm also thinking about like another scenario that I think all of us have experienced at some point um, when when it comes to communication and, and coaching and teaching and learning is so say I'm an assistant coach or I am a player or a student or whatever, I'm not the head position, but I notice mm-hmm. that communication is off. Like I can I can see it and feel it, but the person quote unquote in charge is not seeing miscommunication being an issue how do you handle that because i'm thinking about that not just i mean from 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 a coaching perspective but i'm thinking about every educator has sat underneath an administrator that thinks they communicate with precision Mm -hmm. and it's off the same thing happens in business and corporations like this is this is a, a universal issue where the person that's trying to communicate thinks they're doing it well um they're missing the boat and they don't know whether it's due to arrogance or that no one's ever told them because it's, it is scary to tell someone, you know, above you, Hey, it's not working. Like, how do you navigate mm-hmm. that landscape? Cause I'm thinking of it, you know, from a, I'm a player and I'm thinking about myself as a coach. Like, I think I communicate well. I think I, I, I think the girls know that I care about them, but if I'm not like, do they feel comfortable enough to be like, Hey, Hey coach, 
<laughs> this, you're off, you know, like, like, and, but, and, and I don't know, like, it's, it's always hard. Like, and I'm, you know, so like, what, how do you go about that? And if, if you're like a assistant coach or, or one of those roles that are not like the, the upper echelon to correct that as well, because I think that's even a, a, yep. a tougher situation. Sure. Absolutely. And there's a few things at play here. One is this idea of self-awareness. So we can't change what we're not aware of. Awareness is a prerequisite for change. So if you've got an individual that thinks they're communicating clearly, they don't have a stimulus that tells them that they need to change. So oftentimes it is the assistant or someone that's in a support position that has the ability to see things differently because they have a separate perspective. So then how do you bring that to their attention and try to cultivate that awareness in a way that supports them without judgment while also saying, hey, we potentially have a problem here and this is something important that I'd like you to pay attention to. A couple of ways that you can do this and the best way is going to be whatever way is most effective given the relationship you have with that individual. The key is to make it non-threatening. So even if I were to come to you and say, Aaron, and then lead with a positive statement of intent. So I'm going to say, Aaron, and then I'm going to say something like, I know it's really important for you, especially if someone has a podcast, to make sure that your listeners understand you with the clarity that you believe you have when you speak. And then you're going to insert some data. So if you have any facts, not your interpretation of the facts, but actual facts of even something like, you know, um, following your last podcast, I got a few comments or questions from listeners about what you meant when you said this. I understand that when you said this, this is what you meant. However, what I'm hearing is, and then you bring forth whatever those concerns happen to be. I want to make sure that there's greater clarity between the two because I don't know if you're getting the information that I'm getting, and I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So you're framing this as a way that's collaborative and inviting the other person to take a look at something they may not be aware of currently. It's not a judgment. It's simply a, hey, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm seeing. I want to make sure that we're doing exactly whatever it is you know that that person values and then putting the information in front of them to allow them to cultivate some curiosity and say, huh, why would they say that? I clearly said this. Maybe there's something we need to take a deeper look at here and then support them in doing so. It's always going to be a tricky situation. The worst is when you come up with someone who you can say that to and they're like, well, that's their problem. I don't need to change anything. (laughs) And then it becomes a different conversation, a conversation around, okay, so if nothing changes, what happens? Like what happens, what's the cost or what's the effect if nothing changes? If this continues and it's no longer one person, but 10 people or 100 people or hundreds of people, what's the long-term effect of not paying attention to this individual complaint or the possibility that maybe things aren't as good as we think they are? A question that I love comes from the book Fierce Conversations and a question that the author asks often when she does one-on-one coaching is, what is it that we're pretending not to know? So what are you pretending not to know? And it's a great question for self-reflection. And for an individual in the context that you're talking about, they might say something like, well, if I'm being honest, I'm pretending not to know that I could improve my communication. I'm pretending not to know that there's people out there that are upset with the way that I've been talking about things, or I haven't made space for other people to talk. I'm always the one doing all the talking in our meetings. So that great question of what are you pretending not to know? can sometimes open up a level of awareness that someone didn't have previously. Yeah, I mean, as as, as you're going through that, it, it brings brings to mind two ideas. I mean, this one, I think it's in the book, um, like how to speak like a, a TED Talker, the, or 
Uh, mm-hmm. that book. Yes, there yeah. it is. Thank you. Yes, I had a little brain fart there. But in there, I remember there, there's this reference that one of the key ideas that kind of permeates from time to time throughout that book is like, as, as a speaker, you can't put yourself on a pedestal like you're something that's that's so ultimate and above the people, right? Like you, that, that doesn't resonate. And I think the same thing happens right. when, when you're in, in, a, in a position of leadership and communication. Like you can't make it look like you're the almighty. Otherwise, that communication breaks down because people don't feel like they're on equal footing. And then the other thing that you were talking about there's there at the other end there, there's a book that, I, that I've read a while back and I and I referenced it a, a, I was reading it again the other day called Influencer and there, there's a really good line in there that I think fits perfectly with what you said it's like number of hours one spends practicing a skill is far less important than receiving clear and frequent feedback against a known standard and I think this is something that's important for a lot of us that if we see something we're observing something in this case a, a lack of communication or or miscommunication like we have to do our part if we do believe mm-hmm. passionately in the organization we're part of to speak up and so if that's the head coach or your administrator another educator or uh, your spouse whatever it might be if, if you're truly in it to make sure everyone is successful like we do have to bring that feedback to the table uh, otherwise like yep you're just as guilty for the lack of success right. by, by being quiet. And I think that's a that's a bitter yeah. pill to swallow for a lot of us because we don't have the confidence to go forward, but we have to realize like we have an obligation as well. You know, especially in coaching as an assistant coach, your your job is to kind of quote unquote keep the head coach in check and to help out, you know, along the way because they can't do it all either. And so I think there's there, there, there's right. a lot there as you were talking. Um, well, and, and oh, to, go ahead. Yeah. To yeah. double click on that point. Yeah. To double click on that point, Aaron, what you were just talking about, about, you know, sometimes just being complicit, not bringing what you know to be true to someone that may be, quote, higher up or higher ranking than you. Yes, it can be challenging to have the conversation. In not having the conversation, you're essentially becoming part of the sustainable issue mm. or the sustainment of the issue. And and even framing it from that perspective of, um, I call it an admission of vulnerability, where you could come to, again, I'm going to use you and I in this context, let's say yeah. I'm the assistant coach and you're the head coach or I'm a teacher and you're the principal and saying, you know, Aaron, I, I there's something that I haven't brought up until this point because I feel like it can be difficult for you to hear or it might be challenging to receive. And yet I feel like it's important to say so that I know that I've done my part in bringing this information to you. And that's it. And then you lay it out. Um, because at least there is no guarantee that anyone's going to change doing what's controllable by us to give it our best effort and then leaving it for someone to make their own decision, supporting them if and where we can, but also knowing that at the end of the day, each of us has to do what's controllable by us to live in integrity with our values or our commitment to those that we're responsible to. Yeah. It's never going to be perfect. And yet, what do you need to do? What can you do? What's controllable by you in order to make your best effort to improve or remedy the situation? Yes. And that's something I feel like I've had that conversation at least a thousand times with my own family, my kids lately, just as, as we navigate the journeys of life and adolescence is we have to it's it's easier said than done but like focus on what you can control there are things in life you can't control you can't control other people you can't control other people's reactions you can't control other people's decisions but you can control you and if you spend your energy on you like you're going to be okay but we spend so much energy on the uncontrollables you know that we we're actually mm-hmm. like hurting ourselves by not investing the energy and in, in, in living the best life right. that we can and that's i say that and i'm guilty of of 
of spending energy on things I can't control as well. But it's one of those things that <laughs> we, we, just, we have to be cognizant of, you know. And so as, as yep. we've been talking Absolutely. here, um, we've focused on a lot of like the miscommunication, the negative. But I want to flip it because not all is bad. And, and you've had an opportunity to work with, uh, with some phenomenal people. And so I would love to hear some, some stories or examples, either from when you were a player or as a coach or now working as a, as a coach's coach. What are who are some some phenomenal people that are knocking out of the park when it comes to communication and leadership? I, I bridge it together because I feel like they, they you can't have one without the other, um, you know. And so, mm-hmm. so, so some powerful examples that people are listening in because I do think it's important that we do celebrate and acknowledge the good. Um, and then those those could be people that we could we could venture out and follow along and you know maybe try to learn something from um, you know as, as as they're doing their work. Sure. Uh, and mine are going to be, you know, athlete specific sure. um, or sports specific rather, but a, a staff that I think is absolutely knocking it out of the park in terms of how they communicate is the University of Iowa women's field hockey program mm. and their head coach, Lisa, their assistant coaches, Roz and Michael. I've worked with their program for two years now and was brought in initially to help them specifically help their student athletes have those types of conversations that many of us tend to avoid. So difficult conversations, confrontational conversations. We're talking about an elite level college program, division one nationally competitive. They were in the hunt for the final four again this year. So this is an example of something you alluded to earlier, Aaron, about the programs or individuals that are already great and know they can get better. So for them as a program, it was, you know, we know that we're, really competitive that we have a realistic shot at a national title and yet we also know through self-reflection and awareness that the conversations most needed are the ones that we may sometimes avoid having those conversations around accountability and holding each other accountable but also the more challenging or difficult conversations to have this is a team that has great relationships and sometimes those are the most challenging spaces. It's like, well, but she's my friend and I don't want to ruin the friendship. And so I'm not going to have this difficult conversation because I don't want to upset her. And we see this in the context of all different teams and relationships. So that's how I first came in contact with them. What's impressed me the most in working with them over time is the way that their staff gives complete ownership of the learning process to the student athletes. Mm-hmm. So much of their coaching, yes, they give technical instruction in the X's and O's, but so much of their coaching is done through questioning. Using the Socratic method, they'll stop a play and say, okay, so what happened there? What needs to happen next? Why is it beneficial if we do that? Where would you need to be for that to happen? Instead of giving them the answers, which either in the context of we feel like we have a limited amount of time or that's how we're used to doing it, so often I hear coaches fall short of great coaching because they're telling, 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 telling. And there's a difference between talking at your student athletes or your students and talking with your student athletes or your students. And it's a nuanced thing, but great communicators do it really well. So that's a, I mean, absolutely a staff that I will give a shout out to all day long because they do that so well. And it it really shows in the quality of the student athlete experience. No, I love that. You know, and I think as, as, as we think through those things, it's, it's, these ideas and tips, they're, they're just small, subtle adjustments. And I think that's something for us to realize. Yep. Like, this doesn't require 
us to go invest another 20 hours a week. Um, it doesn't cost money. Um, you know, it, it, we don't have to go get another degree at college to do these things. They're, they're subtle tweaks, but they're very, very powerful. I mean, the key is to reach out to people like you to help figure out what are those tweaks and where are the gaps and, and, and how to mm-hmm. make those improvements. But I think for a lot of us, like, it's it's not one more thing. And I think so much of, of what we try to do in life becomes it's one more thing, one more thing. And next thing you know, we're, we're trying to add 10 new positive habits and we burn out before we even get one established. You know, if we think about a lot about yeah. like James Clear and, and the atomic habits about 1% better, like yeah. these things with communication are just a little tweak here and there, like the tone or the way we convey or taking an extra five minutes to talk about how was your day today, you know, as opposed to getting right into a drill. It's, it's these types of things that can have huge exponential growth impacts, you know, if we just take the time to acknowledge where we can get better and then try to get better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and so, there's something yeah. that I talk about with organizations and when you talk about, you know, language and small shifts and specifically positive environments, creating a more positive environment, either in our classroom or in our sporting community. And it's this idea of rephrasing in the positive. So Again, sports examples, oftentimes I'll hear coaches saying, don't stop playing. Rephrase that as keep playing. Or don't foul. Rephrase that as move your feet, keep your defender in front. Whatever it happens to be, taking the phrases and, you know, I'll take this into a home environment, you know, don't forget to take your lunch to school. It's like remember to take your lunch to school. So changing, rephrasing what it is that we want to say in the positive. The reason that this is important is when we tell people what we want, instead of what we don't want, we're much more likely to get the desired outcome that we're looking for. So making a small shift in your language, every time you hear yourself saying something that starts with don't or stop, can you rephrase that in the positive that speaks more specifically to the action or behavior that you want to see and go there directly? Yeah. You, you know, so much of this reminds me, I don't, I'm sure you've read it or come across it. There's a, the book by the former U.S. Olympic uh, girls soccer coach called Catch Them Being Good. And it's so much of this comes mm-hmm. into those ideas, right, of making sure you have open communication lines and, and noticing those good things and, and, and really starting to put that praise in and more positive than negative. And, and that's so hard for so many people. I, I even find myself sometimes just going, well, they're not going to get better if I don't tell them what they're not doing right, you know, as opposed to really reshifting mm-hmm. that mindset. And that's, I know for me personally, just spending a lot of time now, like acknowledging all the good and just small little tweaks one-on-one individually off on the side about, Hey, we need to improve this here or there, you know? And so it's, it's, it's these mm-hmm. things of, and, and the thing that I find too, as a, a reverb effect of that is like, like I feel better. Like I finish a practice, and if I spend more of my my energy looking for the good and celebrating the good, and mm-hmm. then obviously you know we're, it's not all all rainbows and unicorns. We got we do have to get better in, in, in the mechanics of things, but but approaching it in a different light. Like I leave a practice like rejuvenated, smiling. The girls are walking out smiling, and I feel like yeah. we have made more strides in this last year taking that approach as opposed to. We're going to do this. Oh, that wasn't very good. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. You know, like like focusing more mm-hmm. on the negative. And I just think it's it's something that for me was was an aha moment uh, and things that I'm trying to even do now, just even beyond you know youth sports. But it's 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 one of those things where I think it's it's a it's a perception and, and what is it that we want to look for and the things that we want to focus on can, sure. can can really drive the end piece and you know a lot of our our our, our mental well being. 
Absolutely. We're going to find, excuse me, we're going to find what we're looking for. Yeah. So as, as we wrap this up here, because I know you're on a tight schedule, one of the things I do want to ask is we here we are in these in these unique times where we are at home. We're trying to figure out this remote learning and remote com- communication and we've got social distancing and all these things. And who knows how long it's going to go on for. How does that work in terms of communication? Like, are there things that we have to rethink? Is are, are these truths universal? Like, how have you had to adjust? I'm curious, like in your work and maybe with, with other teams and stuff, because, you know, we know how important face-to-face is. You know, I, I know that there's more of an impact right. when I'm working with someone face-to-face versus an email or a video conference. But here we are where that's not always easy to do. So, what are some right. tips or ideas or things that you're trying to navigate with, you know, as, as we're in this space and hopefully we can get out of it relatively soon, but we don't know um, that people are listening in going, okay, these are good ideas. But yet here I am, you know, stuck behind a screen trying to uh, do some of this stuff. Right. Right. Well, and that's our reality for right now. And I think that the sooner we can move to a place of acceptance, you don't have to like it. So oftentimes we misinterpret the fact that acceptance also has to mean agreement. You don't have to agree with it. And yet in this time of social distancing with what we're being asked to do as a global community, face-to-face via a screen is the best option that we have. And I'm grateful for it in this time because it does allow us to, to see people and to connect in a way visually that we wouldn't have otherwise to be able to absorb in conversation, nuance things like facial expression. If for whatever reason, due to availability or lack thereof of technology, or if you simply don't want to spend any more time in front of a screen. I know a lot of us are working remotely in ways that we haven't before and now find ourselves sitting in front of the computer for a a much longer duration than we're accustomed to. If you don't want to use the screen, best recommendation is to have it be a phone call versus a text or an email so that we have the gift of tonality. You can tell so much from someone's voice, especially someone that you know well or that you're used to seeing frequently. And when we lose that data because it's in the written word, you know, thankfully we have gifts and we have memes and we have emojis and bitmojis. Those help. And yet there's no replacing the being able to hear the quality of someone's voice and what message that's sending, which sometimes can be different from the words that they're saying. And that's really important to know. So again, I think moving to a place as a community of, this may not be ideal, and what can I do within this new normal? Even, you know, we talked about rephrasing in the positive, and there's been some dialogue specifically on social media lately about returning the social distancing. It's physical distancing that's being asked for, mm-hmm. you know, staying six feet away when yeah. in public spaces or only leaving your house when you need to. The social aspect is the opposite. We need social connection, especially in terms of isolation, in times of isolation. The more we can connect socially at an appropriate physical distance, at a virtual distance, the better we're all going to be as we work through, you know, this pandemic and the response to COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's, whatever it's, way that works for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely using that, that thing we have in our pocket called a phone and actually using it for right. what it was originally yeah. intended for, which is to uh, call people, which, you know, something that we, we re- don't really do anymore with it because we have the text and the emojis and things like that. And so, yeah, I think there's that, that, that that's really powerful to think about that as physical distancing. I haven't, I haven't really processed that enough, but that makes a lot of sense because here we are, you know, and yeah. now it's just trying to keep the spirits up, you know, and I'm looking at my own household, like how do we have some, build some routine? How do we get them to, you know, still find 
find ways to connect with others and because you know we can only talk to ourselves so long before it, that that gets old and you know all that good stuff so as we wrap this up here, I, I want to make sure you have a chance to, if there's, if you have any final words or ideas or insights, to give you a, a chance to say that. And then after you do that, we'll just bundle it with, once you finish that up, if there's, where can people go to learn more about you? We'll ne- definitely make sure we link it in the show notes. Um, I'm sure people are going to want to follow your journey. Um, I know your Twitter feed is, is phenomenal. I love reading um, all the things that you, you post and retweet there. And so um, where can people find you? But more importantly, are there any final words or, or, or thoughts that you have for the audience sure thank you and i'll i'll start with uh, i appreciate you mentioning the twitter feed i try to post on twitter as often as possible typically at least once a day with some sort of small communication tip a lot of these come from my interactions with others so something will come up in a conversation i'll think oh that's a thing that you know maybe we're not paying enough attention to in terms of how we communicate and can i put this out there in a way that might be beneficial to others and the one that i had tweeted this morning relates specifically to what we were just talking about, Aaron, about you know social distancing, physical distancing, and the global response to COVID-19. And the tweet that I put out was that many people find it challenging to ask for help. And the catch here is that help is also something many people need right now. So if you're going to offer assistance to someone, consider using the word support instead of help. So saying, how can I support you? And that might just be the help that people need. So again, small shifts in language, but that's kind of the tip of the day. Um, if you want to follow along on Twitter, you can follow along at Betsy Butterick, so B-E-T-S-Y-B-U-T-T-E-R-I-C-K. You can also search my name on YouTube and subscribe if you want to the ACT videos. There's 30 ACT videos currently on YouTube in addition to some longer format sessions that I've done. It was, gosh, last week I did a free webinar called Game On, A Season of Choice. And that was my effort to respond positively for the athletic community to the way that sports ended on March 12th. And all of a sudden, nobody has a season. We don't know when sports are coming back. And in that webinar, it has, I think, just over 30 recommendations for specifically administrators and coaches of how they can engage with and support their student-athletes during this time. So if that would be of benefit to anybody, I know it's, it's gotten over 4,000 views on YouTube since I posted it. There were over 900 coaches and administrators that signed in live. So fantastic response. And to me, it speaks to the fact that we as a nation are looking for resources in this time. There's no playbook for this. There's no script. We can't look to the past and say, well, we'll do this like they did at that time. This is up to us to navigate and to find a way forward collectively. And and I know that so much of that is related to how do we choose to communicate in this time? What's the story that we want to be able to tell about this moment in history when we look back on it from a future day? Who were we during this time as individuals and within our community? Mm. So that would be my call to action. And then uh, as far as the social stuff, you can follow on Twitter. If you're on Instagram, Betsy underscore the coaches coach, one word. And then if you want to hop over to the website, BetsyBetterick.com, there's a contact form on there if you have a specific question or you're looking for an additional resource, whether it's a webinar during this time or some sort of support for your organization or your team. And then I also have on the website a link to the digital course that I created uh, right at the end of last year. So it was released January 1st, and it's called Winning with Words Championship Communication for Coaches. That is sports-specific. However, it's designed for any coach, any sport, any age, specifically if you're at the high school or college level, 
to give us ways that we can improve our communication as coaches, as educators, so as to elevate the quality of the student-athlete experience that we offer. I love it. I love it. Um, so many things. We'll definitely make sure we get all those linked out and people, we need to go check this stuff out. Betsy, your work is so important. So appreciate people like you pushing forward, really living on the edge of chaos, helping people realize how important communication is and leadership is, whether it's, it's, it's in the sports arena, the business arena, education, or just dealing with family and friends. These are all universal things that we all mm-hmm. need to improve, you know, as, as, as cheesy as it sounds, to make the world a better place. And so I can't thank you enough for the work that you do. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to chat with me. This has been a, a huge honor, and I know the response to this is just going to be phenomenal. Um, and, and, and hopefully a lot of people join and follow you and, and continue to, to learn from all the work that you're doing. So thank you, not just for the podcast, but thank you for the work and all the stuff that you're leading, not just for, for us, but for coaches and everyone else that, that, that can follow along on the journey. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. And I look forward to learning from you all as well. That's what keeps my work moving forward. I'm a communications specialist, not an expert, and that's intentional because we're never going to reach the ceiling of what there is to learn about communication and how we can better connect. So I look forward to learning from everyone that's listening right now. And again, thanks for having me on. Yes, thank you.